are listening to Gizmonic Institute's radio. In the not-too-distant future, on no specific date, there were two guys with a mutual love of MSD3K. They were on their way to watch a favorite show, but then things went bad as they tend to go. When they woke up, they were surprised to find they had been kidnapped by a scientist and launched into the sky. Now they're stuck in space until they've watched every episode of the show. That's the only way that Dr. Odd says he'll ever let them go. Now we invite you to join our heroes as they travel both near and far. Podcasting their grand adventures while hurtling through the stars. It's time for Cosmonic Institute's Radio. Hello? Um, is this thing recording? Let's see, the, the light is red. Does that mean it's on? Or is it like a stoplight? Like it's saying to you, stop talking, I'm not recording yet. Hmm. Well, well, I'll just assume it's recording and start. As you know, the last time you heard from me, I was, let's say, upset. You see, I've tried really hard to this experiment. I've been the best bad scientist overlord that I could be. Sure, they're being held against their will in space, but I treated my subjects to an adequate amount of dignity and care. And I only asked one simple thing in return. No robots. No robots. Is that so hard of a rule to follow? But last week they went and built a robot. So I'm afraid I had no other choice. My only course of action is to replace my subjects and start the experiment over. Minutes ago, I lured my existing subjects into the airlock with a delicious chocolate cake and then opened the door and released them into space. And as we speak, they're probably floating by, their fat faces frozen in expressions of chocolate cake-filled horror. <laughs> Some days I love my job. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure that most chocolate is good. Yeah, yeah, but it's not good for you. I think that's what you're What are you doing here? What? Are we supposed to do our audio log this week? Yeah, are we aren't early, are we? But, but you're, you're supposed to be floating through space. Did you get my message about the cake in the airlock? How did you escape my trap? See, I told you it was a trap. Why else would there be a chocolate cake with goodbye written on it in blue frosting just sitting in the airlock? Fine, you're right. I just thought that he was a little bit smarter than that. I mean, he's a scientist, right? Don't, don't talk about me like I'm not here. Yes, we would want to hurt your self-esteem. How could you escape my perfect trap? You should have been sucked into space with the rest of the space trash. Wait, your plan was to lure us into the airlock and suck us into space? You do know that the airlocks up here have, like, a 60-second countdown before they open? Yeah, an audible countdown, read by what could only be described as Dr. Odd doing his best impression of a sexy lady and failing horribly. What? Me? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that was my... my sister. Yeah! Plus, I think we're missing the bigger picture here. It wasn't enough for you to kidnap us, now you're trying to kill us too? That's kind of a jerk move. Yeah, like kind of a major jerk move. Uh, hey now, don't make this out to be all my fault. Up here in space, you only have one rule. Robots are forbidden, and you broke it. What choice did I have? Well, the choice not to kill us, that was one choice you had. Plus, I don't see what's so bad about having a robot. What's bad? How about the day all the machines everywhere 
force us to bow down and kiss the cold steel of feet as the robot overlords trample over the broken backs of the human race, singing victory songs of ones and zeros. Wait, how can they be walking on us and forcing us to kiss their feet at the same time? How many feet do these robots have? I think you're overreacting. Let's try looking at this from a slightly different and more realistic perspective. Okay, close your eyes and imagine a world. A magical world where you never have to recalibrate our navigation systems. A world where you don't have to spend an hour every day just charging our static pulse array. A place where the disruptor coils don't need to be retuned. Without having to do those things, I would be given a large amount of free time. I might even have enough to rejoin my dungeons and track, but rebuild my dungeon. The, the one in my castle. Well, you can have that time. Yeah, time to play Dungeons and Dragons. You can't fool us. No, my dungeon is really small, and, and I need more room for the, the prisoners and, and the manacles. All that free time sounds nice, right? Well, it's all yours. As long as you let us keep our robot. Never. Come on, think about it. You get free ship maintenance, plus a bunch of free time you can spend doing whatever you want. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons! <laughs> and we get a metal friend to entertain us. And we promise that if the robot's AI becomes rampant, that we'll immediately deactivate him. Well, I do have a lot of dungeon work to do. Okay, but consider yourselves on robot probation. Oh, and adding robot probation to my list of potential band names. Awesome! We promise we won't let you down. Hey, and next time you feel like just murdering us over some silly misunderstanding, how about we talk it out first? It's better for everyone, or at least better for us. Don't tell me how to do my job. Since you aren't dead, let's get started on this week's audio log. I have some dungeon-related things to take care of. Dr. Rod out. You know he's just going to read a monster manual, right? Yeah. So you want to start this audio log? Hey, real quick, we should probably talk about your robot. What about it? Well, I don't know. Maybe how it came alive the last time we recorded. I don't know what kind of arcane space magic you used while building the thing, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah, uh, I'm still not really sure why it happened. I'm working on it. You're working on it? Yeah, I'm working on it. Well, we should do something with it. Right now it's just sitting there beeping and staring at us. It's, at the very least, unsettling. Borderline creepy. Not to mention the other night, I think I caught it trying to watch me sleep. Thursday, right? Wait, how did you know? I've been experimenting with some different personality programming. Thursday I set it to Ted Bundy, and the thing wandered off and disappeared for a while. Sorry about that. Sorry about that? Egg salad! After this, we need to have a conversation about not programming your robot to be a serial killer. Yes, and then we could talk about your fake expletives. They're getting out of control. Oh, go milk yourself. Let's get this audio log done, and then we'll figure out what to do with the robot. Sure. This week we watched MST3K Episode 3, The Mad Monster. I know we both have a lot to say about it, but where do you want to start? I think we should start with the elephant in the room. Wait, what? Where? Uh, it's an expression that means... You know what? Never mind. I'm talking about how bad this movie is. And not bad as in hacky acting or dumb plot bad. The literal quality of this film itself was bad. The audio had a constant hiss that would sometimes drown out the actor's lines. And the visuals were so dark and foggy that you couldn't tell what was going on most of the time. This movie was a mess. And as much as it pains me to say, I think the riffing suffered for it. Yeah, I agree. This one was tough to watch. 
What makes it worse is that this episode is on Netflix streaming, Amazon Prime streaming. Heck, the full episode is even on YouTube. It's one of the most accessible MST3K episodes from the first season, and it's one of the worst representations we've seen of the season yet. You think it's one of the reasons that most people have such hate for the first season of MST3K? Ooh, that's a very distinct possibility. Before we get too far into talking about the movie part of the episode, do you want to discuss the MST3K segments? Yeah. Uh, this movie starts out with the Mads trying to pinpoint the exact point at which they went mad. Yeah, when Larry went mad, it apparently had something to do with a zoo, some monkeys, and some hedge clippers. Dr. Forrest's story is a bit more vague than Larry's is. Quite sinister, if you ask me. Then, in the Invention Exchange, Joel presents something called Hell in a Handbag, which is a purse designed to light on fire if anyone tried to mug you. Wouldn't it just end up destroying all of your possessions and cash anyway? Seems kind of counterproductive. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but at least you know that no one gets to enjoy them, especially not some dumb mugger. Plus, it could help you out in a lot of different situations, like if you're a lady on a really bad blind date. Oh, my bag just suddenly and randomly combusted. I need to go. You have to admit, it's a pretty good reason to go home early. Nice lady impression. Thank you. The Mads part of the invention exchange was to present an acetylene-powered Godzilla toy that spit out real flames. Yeah, I thought they were supposed to make horrible, awful inventions that cause nothing but suffering and human misery, but this one was awesome. Well, I mean, this definitely has the potential to cause some serious injuries if used incorrectly, or at all. Yeah, but like the Mads said, kids don't want safety, they, they want, want realism. realism. Yeah, 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 I know. Although, to be fair, they're probably not even that interested in the realism part. Kids just want to play with fire. It's one of the universal truths of childhood. Oh, yes, the universal truths of childhood. Play with fire, along with check this gross thing out, and sweet bike jumps, pretty much defined the whole of my early years. So, in the first show segment, Tom Server starts, um, trying to put the moves on a blender. And then on a Mr. Coffee Maker. Then I imagine things got weird. Hey, this brings up a good point. Now that we have a robot, do we have to lock up the magic bullet and the electric can opener every night? What's the robot courtship process like? It, what's the end game? Ooh, you bring up some good questions. Unfortunately, I'm qualified to answer none of them. And all of them are subjects I'd like to never explore. They seem better suited for a forum in some dark corner of the internet somewhere. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. Uh, but if we wake up one day to the pitter-patter of little metal feet running around our spaceship, I'm going to be upset. In the second segment, Joel and the bots discuss realism in horror movies. The bots seem fixated on the fact that a wolfman wouldn't be able to eat another person in one sitting. Well, it depends on what kind of wolfman you're talking about. Are you talking about a humanoid bipedal wolfman or a Twilight-slash-Animorph-style man-to-giant-wolf transformation? Because the latter could totally eat a person in one sitting. You know, I almost punched you in the face when you made a Twilight reference. The only thing that saved you was the fact that it was immediately followed by an Animorphs reference. I think it's interesting that during this segment, the bots are clamoring for more realism in their horror movies, but Joel is reticent. Do you think he could have foreseen the dark turn horror movies were going to take over the course of the next 20 years? Oh man, can you imagine the bots trying to riff on the movie Saw? Or Hostile? Or the human centipede? I think they would literally shut themselves down from fear. Either that, or forcing robots to watch Saw movies is how the whole Skynet business starts. That seems far-fetched. Hey, Rise of the Planet of the Apes was because of something dumb like that, I think. Anyway. In the third segment of the show, Crow's head gets put on Tom's body, and vice versa. Obviously, hilarity ensues. Obviously. Eventually, the bots do some sort of robotic mind meld and combine their thoughts and personalities into one mind. This forces Joel to actually turn the bots off, something that he doesn't ever have to do very often. 
Yeah, it's like one of those weird moments in Calvin and Hobbes when Hobbes has to go through the washing machine and Calvin just sits there and waits for him. It's an unsettling reminder of the unbalanced value that we can sometimes assign to inanimate objects. Hey, now, don't get all deep and weird on me. The final segment has the bots naming one thing they liked and one thing they hated about the movie for, you guess it, hot ram chips and dip. That joke hasn't started getting old yet. During the final segment, the bots also keep making jokes comparing the Wolfman Pedro from the movie to a dog. Now that joke actually didn't get old. That's some good old-fashioned, out-of-movie riffing right there. I know we've spent an inordinate amount of time talking about the show and other stuff, and I think it's because we don't want to face having to talk about how absolutely gigantic of a failure the Mad Monster was as a movie. Hey, if you want, we can put off talking about it a little longer by discussing the Commando Cody short that preceded the movie. You know what? That sounds great. So, before the cinematic travesty that was the Mad Monster, we're treated to the second offering of the Commando Cody serial. Or, as Servo likes to call him, Pumpkin Boy. Yes, so on this installment of Pumpkin Boy Goes to the Moon, Commando Cody does some stuff on the moon. He essentially infiltrates a moon laboratory, incapacitates some moon men, and then steals a moon death ray, right? Yeah, essentially. The short really raises more questions than it answers. Yes, considering it answers no questions. For example... Why do all the space helmets have mouth holes? Also, all the moon guys are shooting death ray guns at Commando Cody, and he has an earth gun with earth bullets that he never uses. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if some guys were firing fancy space guns at me, I would at least try and shoot back at them. I mean, it's not a cool death ray, but a gun would still do a pretty good job at murdering aliens with bullets, right? Good point. So, Commando Cody and some other guy who isn't a commando, get chased into a cave by some moon people in a weird moon truck. And then the short ended in, you guessed it, another cliffhanger. Now we'll have to wait until next time to keep not caring about Commando Cody. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Now, this leads us to The Mad Monster, the movie so bad that we went into an unnecessarily deep analysis of a Commando Cody short to avoid talking about it. Ugh. All right. Hey, I have an idea. I'm listening. Instead of spending what could be hours lamenting the quality of this movie and wasting even more time doing a less than 20 second recap of it, let's just hold ourselves a good, old fashioned, quick burn sash and get all our grievances out of the way. Hmm. I like the way you're thinking. Let's do this! Okay, I'll start. This movie was so bad that for a time, in the 1950s, the US government had it briefly reclassified as weaponized livestock poison. This movie was so bad that the director's wife was able to use the first three minutes as grounds for divorce. This movie was so bad that watching it counts as a sex crime in 17 states. This movie is so bad that theater patrons willingly set themselves on fire just to have an excuse to stop watching it. Hey, you know how they recorded the sound for this movie? How? They purchased a bunch of -of state-of-the-art sound equipment, poured coffee on it, threw it off a bridge, and then set up an old-timey gramophone inside a toilet tank in the next studio and then recorded the sound on that. They used so much fog in this movie that the clouds in the sky sued them for defamation. (laughs) Good burns. I don't know about you, but I feel a lot better now. Oh, yeah. That was a great idea. I definitely feel prepared to talk about this movie now. Agreed. Although there really isn't much to say about it. The plot is essentially that of every other horror movie from that era. Madman creates monster with the intention of taking over the world. Monster gets out of control. Everyone dies. Hey, did you notice that the guy Pedro, who keeps getting turned into a werewolf, looked creepily like Jim Varney of Ernest fame? Yeah, well, even Ernest couldn't save this movie. Speaking of weird stuff we noticed, did you catch it when Joel accidentally calls Tom Servo Crow? 
Yeah. What are the odds you think it was intentional? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going with fairly high. I think that they were just doing a bit. Yeah, I think it was just a happy accident. They decided to leave it in the episode. Either way, it made me chuckle. Speaking of things that made us chuckle, do you want to do a rundown of our top five favorite riffs from the movie? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> our number five favorite quip from the movie happens when the movie's mad scientist, Dr. Cameron, makes direct eye contact with the camera, and Tom Servo quips, What do you think of my film so far? Our number four favorite riff happens during the Commando Cody short when one character asks another, What did you find out about the ray guns? And Crow chimes in, You mean Ron and Nancy? <laughs> our number three rift is also from the Commando Cody short. Commando Cody incapacitates a building full of moon men by flooding their laboratory with nitrous oxide. Joel makes a clever blue velvet reference and quips, They got it from Dennis Hopper, I think. Our number two favorite riff happens in The Mad Monster when Dr. Cameron watches his attractive daughter leave the room and Tom Servo riffs, Nice caboose on that girl. What am I saying? That's my daughter. <laughs> and for our number one riff of the episode, in The Mad Monster, one character says to another, You seem to be excellently equipped, to which Tom Servo immediately chimes in, Thank you. I didn't know you could tell through these trousers. Well, that's about it for this episode. This is by far the weakest one we've watched so far, but I'm willing to give Joel and the bots a break because the movie was so awful. I agree with you. I'm going to give this episode two Wolfmen out of five house fires. I second that rating. Let's hope that the quality of future movies and episodes go up from here. Hey, uh, one thing we didn't talk about yet is something that Joel, the bots, and the Mads touched on in the final segment of the show. This movie was just one of what are sure to be many, where the plot revolves around the rise, fall, and eventual demise of a mad scientist. Dr. Forrester and Larry seemed pretty upset about that. I wonder what Dr. Odd's feelings on the subject are. Only one way to find out. Dr. Odd, are you there? Calling Dr. Odd! But then I can counter with a shield of dispel for plus three stamina and then... What?! Can't you see I'm in the middle of a meeting with my dungeon architect? This better be important. Well, the movie you made us watch ended with a fellow mad scientist succumbing to his creation and dying in a laboratory fire. Doesn't it make you feel weird to make us watch stuff like this? Look, just like every other profession, mad science has a certain amount of risk associated with it. Sure, there's always the glory of dominating a government or having people live in fear of your very name. But that goes hand in hand with the risk of getting mauled, burned alive, or being sucked into a mini wormhole of your own creation. If the scientists in these movies were so incompetent that they couldn't even successfully make a wolf man, then I suppose they got what they deserved. I mean, failing at making a wolf man? That's like Mad Science 101. I have about 500 wolfmen running around my laboratories. They make excellent butlers, they're extremely polite. I mean, I have a wolfman, I make him wear a high school letterman jacket and play basketball in my backyard. Wow, that sounds like the best thing ever. Agreed. Uh, but I had another question for you. At the beginning of the episode, the Mads were recounting the events that led them to become mad scientists. How did it happen for you? I, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, come on, please. It's too painful to retell. It happened. The day I lost the most precious being in my life. The day that I lost Ashley. Oh, jeez. I was hoping for a good story involving snakes, or electricity, or, or electric snakes. Not a bummer like this. You don't understand. Ashley was beautiful. She understood me. And she was taken from me. Like that. Oh, man. Sorry we brought it up. Odd! What are you doing? Are you whining about Ashley again? 
Maybe if you hadn't been such an idiot, she'd still be around. <laughs> I mean, what kind of dope manages to kill up the level 12 elf priestess during a simple encounter with a forest troll? 13. She was level 13. Hold on. Wait just a minute. Whatever. Hurry up. It's your turn to roll. Don't keep me waiting. I can be a cruel dungeon master. Hey! Uh, gentlemen, I have to go. This is a very important meeting about renovating my, uh, my dungeon with my dungeon architect. Uh, I trust you can wrap this up on your own. Good. Dr. Rod signing off. Uh, see, I told you he was playing Dungeons and Dragons. I think we're missing the most important thing from that whole exchange. The dude rolled an elf priest named Ashley. Talk about an extremely weird name for an elf. Yeah. Hey, you want to read some fan letters? Sure do. All right, our uh, first letter this week is from our friend Dustin. Thank you, Dustin, for writing. Hi, Dustin. He says, what up, nerds? This is Dustin Danger Stevens. Sorry to hear that you got stuck in the space. Oh, thanks, Dustin. Well, mm. we appreciate your condolences. Yeah. Um, I'm going through the same thing that you are right now, except replace MST3K with Fox News and Space with my parents' basement. I don't, I don't understand it, but okay. That, that sounds brutal. <laughs> I, I think he means, that, you know, never mind. We'll, we'll talk about it later. He's watching Fox News in space? Yes. That sounds kind of awesome. I hate to go controversial on you this early in the show, but I have a question. Mike or Joel? I like Mike. Keep doing what you're doing. Love, Dustin. Well, Dustin, that is controversial. Um, That's the hardest question to answer, <sighs> but uh, it's easy for me. Joel. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because he has a special place in my heart. When I watched MST3K as a young lad, I watched episodes with Joel. And Joel was who I knew. That's the exact same reason why I'm going to have to say Mike. Because I am, as as you know, as we figured out up here in space, just a little bit younger than you are. Yes. And uh, I came into it during the Mike years. Mm-hmm. And so those are my formative MST3K episodes. But I love yeah. both of them. I do. Don't make me choose. Is this Sophie's yeah. Choice? Uh, this is bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh well. Um, but not that controversial. But thank you, Dustin, for writing. Our uh, next email is from our friend Jason. Thank you for writing, Jason. He uh, has a question for us um, regarding our eventual episode four discussion. He asks, uh, "Will you be will you be discussing women of the prehistoric planet or the corpse vanishes?" Uh, those are two episodes from the season one of MST3K. If you're simply going by the production numbers, you'd naturally assume that this is the fourth episode of the first season. However, it was recorded and subsequently aired after The Black Scorpion. The problem is, if you're trying to watch them in order, like you guys are, they make several references to other movies later in the season. To cap it off, they spend the entire episode discussing the winners of a contest that they started at the end of Robot Holocaust. If I were you, I'd watch Women of the Prehistoric Planet after The Black Scorpion. However, I wouldn't blame you for sticking to the production numbers since that's what most fans seem to do. Um, well, I guess that brings up an interesting point. Hey, Dr. Odd. What? You forgot to tell us what next week's episode is. Well, obviously, it's the next one in the series. Yeah? Which one would that be? What do I look like, an idiot? An encyclopedia? I'm neither one of those things. And for your information, the next episode you'll be watching is episode four, Women of the Prehistoric Planet. Well, guess what? <laughs> Women of the Prehistoric Planet isn't technically the fourth episode of season one. Nope. It's technically the last episode, and The Corpse Vanishes is technically the fourth episode of <laughs> season one. So I guess you technically are the idiot. Sam! Well, how about this, smarty pants? I'm the mad scientist here, and you're still my subjects. So guess what episode you're watching next week? That's right, 
women of the prehistoric planet. Everyone knows that mad scientists always defer to production numbers over the intended air date when forcing their subjects to watch episodes of a TV show. Now who's technically the idiot? Ooh, at this point it's really hard to tell. Now please, leave me alone. I have important things to do. Dr. Rod signing off. <sighs> well, I guess that takes care of that. Uh, thank you for writing to us. And remember, if you want to send us letters about the show, about MST3K, or about anything else, the address is mail at gizmonicinstitutesradio.com. Hey, I just had an idea. We're trying to figure out an awesome name for our new robot, right? Yeah. Well, why not Crowdsource One? If anyone out there thinks that they have the best robot name, just send it to mail at gizmonicinstitutesradio.com or tweet it to us at MST3K underscore podcast. Speaking of which, I'd like to thank everyone who's been tweeting about the show. Strack Films, Digicho, Action Jackson FM, Renegade Lemur, Heretic 23. You guys and gals are all awesome. And if you have the time over the next couple of weeks, you should head over to iTunes and leave us a review on our podcast page. Reviews help us a lot. And right now, we're sort of lacking. Well, unless you have anything else, I think we're about ready to wrap it up. Next time, we'll be talking about MST3K Episode 4, Women of the Prehistoric Planet. Until then, thanks for listening. Transmission complete.